0: hey everyone it's matt here just wanted to remind you that this is a very special episode of matt and kale read comics this episode i'm going to be doing creator commentary for the first chapter of my graphic novel you're stuck with me now you can find the chapter for free on my website smithversussmith.com, so you can follow and read along and we will be back in one week for another regular episode of matt and kale read comics we are reading Green Hornet by Kevin Smith, Phil Hester, and Jonathan Lau with my good friend Tyler Eccles. We'll see you in a week. Enjoy this special creator commentary for chapter one of You're Stuck With Me Now. Hey everyone, cartoonist Matt Smith here. I wanted to talk about my graphic novel, You're Stuck With Me Now. I decided to do a creator commentary and kind of go through page by page, chapter by chapter, and just talk about the thought process behind this book, what I was thinking, what I was hoping to achieve, the inspirations, uh, maybe some challenges, and some things that I wish that I'd kind of had another chance to go over. So, just looking at the book, hopefully the idea is you're kind of following along and reading along with me, whether that's in physical or in digital. Uh, if you had the physical book, hopefully you're as impressed as I am with the print. Um, it's just a really high-quality product, I think, from Mixam UK. I'm really pleased with the way it came out, the quality of the pages, and also the, the colors on the cover. Um, the colors were kind of from a mood board that I got from my friend and graphic designer, Sheena Villanueva, who designed my logo. So you can see on the spine the Smith vs. Smith logo and also the back of the book. Uh, when we were trying to decide fonts and the tone I was going for with the logo, she also sent me uh, different colors. And I really like this kind of color scheme, uh, and I ended up using it later for for the cover. I have a hard time with covers in general. I never really know what to put on the cover. I don't usually pay much attention to comic book covers. If you're a mainstream comic book reader... You might agree with me that like a lot of the times the the cover on the image doesn't actually match what's happening on the inside in the story. Very often they don't even use the same artist to do the cover art and doesn't match the style of the art inside the story. Um, so I just don't really pay attention as a reader with the covers. But when I do look at graphic novels, I do tend to gravitate towards covers that are a bit more graphic and... These large, empty negative space areas. So I like that. Um, I'm also friendly with uh, cartoonist Paul Chadwick, the creator of Concrete, and he gave me some advice when making a cover that it should tell a story. I don't. I struggled with how to have an image that kind of encapsulated the the story of this book in one image, one snapshot. And I don't really understand. That's not really how I work. I don't. I don't create single images to tell my stories. I have multiple panels. I like the idea of multiple panels. So. That's why this cover is kind of a three-panel comic. It has, you know, Matt, the character Matt sitting on his own with the couch with dirty laundry and his dishes, looking, you know, longingly at the other side of the couch, wishing someone was there to join him. The next image down, you know, kind of the next panel, is Emma curled up on the couch with Matt Loveheart above them. She's all the way on his side. That empty space is just behind them. The title... And then we have, you know, kind of after the the honeymoon period is over. And that's kind of summing up the whole the whole book. It's this idea of a romantic comedy, a love story that goes past maybe the the end point of most love stories. Okay, the couple got together. And then how do they actually survive living with each other? And how do you get two people who are used to being on their own? And how do they figure out how to live with each other? There's not a lot of conflict, you know, It's not. I'm not. I don't really hide the ending of this book, but if there is a conflict, it is this sort of clash of personalities. How can these two people can they figure out a way to to mesh their lives together? Um, I wear my inspirations on my sleeve. One of my big inspirations from the comics world is Jeffrey Brown, who has his girlfriend trilogy, true stories, little snippets, very vignette-y sort of. uh, small sequences about these relationships and it kind of bounces around in time, but these quiet moments of humor, but also some challenging moments. And there's all, it's also, it, it's difficult to, to mesh your life with someone else. But in the end, this has a, a positive ending. The couple does get together and stay together. So I wanted to kind of have the optimistic flip side of that realistic take on uh, romance comics and very much influenced by, you know, I do want to kind of invoke the the thoughts of romantic comedy films as well that's what i was really going for with the the title the the font for the title the title itself is taken from dialogue it's something that my wife and i have said to each other in real life we still say it to each other um it's a runner in the book it comes up uh, multiple times in different contexts but with the the font i wanted a big bold font i was thinking about i looked at romantic comedy posters where you know it's just big kind of bold blockish letters kind of overpowering the characters a lot of the times and uh, you know again with the cover this these kind of characters kind of floating in these nebulous backgrounds a lot of romantic comedy posters i notice have you know the the characters kind of you know standing next to each other either looking at each other smirking at each other whatever but they're kind of in you know like a white void so the same kind of idea here hopefully looking at this cover gives you those sort of tones that this is going to be a romantic comedy So let's dive in. On the inside cover, I've got this kind of wallpaper, these different images, uh, different moments in this couple's life. You know, them going on a date, on vacation, playing squash. Uh, I, I like having these kind of snippet panels kind of floating around. It's something I've done with other books in the past. And if you see on the bottom of the cover page, we have Neo and Thor, the two cats, kind of wrestling. This kind of continues the scene from the front cover. The cats are chasing each other on the front cover, and then uh, Neo kind of catches Thor, and they tussle around a little bit. Going through to the chapter titles and the contents, uh, just you might notice that the all the chapter titles are from lines of dialogue. I, I really like when a, a movie or a book uses the title somewhere in the dialogue. Uh, Emma and I make it into a joke where we think of it like a drinking game. and Every time a character says the title of a show or a movie, we yell, Drink! to each other. So all of the chapter titles are lines of dialogue. So hopefully upon reread, uh, you can catch that. And uh, you know, if you are having a drink, then take a drink every time uh, you find the, the chapter title in the dialogue. Obviously, this book is dedicated to Emma. She is the inspiration, the main character, my muse, and my biggest supporter of all my comics. Uh, now we're on page six, the first of the comics proper. We've got these two kind of widescreen panoramic uh, views of Kuwait. I really struggle. I've been pushing myself more, but it was it's a real stumbling block for me to create uh, background images and draw buildings and draw cityscapes and uh, establishing shots. It just really, really bogs me down and really, really slows down the process when I really just want to get to the character and really kind of show the emotion. And that's the kind of fun stuff that I like drawing. So I I do try to find tricks as much as I can here to get past that, to give you some sort of sense of time and place. We've got this city line of Kuwait, this kind of black silhouette. This image will reoccur throughout the book. Then we've got these water towers from Kuwait. Uh, If you've ever been to Kuwait, it's a very arid desert country, but we've got these really lovely white and blue very large, kind of flower-like water tanks uh, all around this the country, and uh, just uh, you know, it just an image that definitely reminds me of Kuwait. You'll notice the backgrounds of both these images have this kind of. Um, uh, watercolory wash. At one point, I was playing around with doing the establishing shots and some of the background scenes in watercolor and painting them, but it did stand out a bit too much, so I, I removed them. I also had lots of instances of photographs as backgrounds, but for the final book, I removed pretty much all the painting. These kind of uh, skylines with a little bit of uh, texture, and those are kind of the only remnants of this sort of painting effect that I tried to go with. It just didn't fit with the the very kind of simplistic, cartoony, flat, high-contrast style that I have for the rest of the book. So Kuwait, March 2nd, 2013, outside Kuwait Little Theater. Uh, We've got the character of Matt running in. In real life, I don't want to spend too much time talking about the differences between what happened in real life and what I am showing on the page. It's pretty much all true. There's a few times where I moved things around, a few times where I attributed some conversations to different characters just to kind of streamline it. There's a few times where I I move the order of the sequence of how things happened, just again, for clarity's sake. But the the reason that I'm late, and I hate being late in real life, the reason I'm late is my friend France was driving me, and she got me to the the audition late. But I didn't want to show anyone else until I introduced Matt and Emma, the characters in the book. So that's why we purposely don't see anyone driving the car. A little bit of a silhouette of someone else in the driver's seat, but they're almost completely obscured by the thought bubble in the second panel. Uh, And that's why in the third panel, the director is speaking off-panel. I didn't want to show anyone else. I wanted Matt and Emma to be the first characters that we see. But I also wanted to tease it out a little bit. Uh, It's only two pages, but it does end this first page spread on a cliffhanger. I really like to either end on a punchline or end on a cliffhanger in these books. A reason to keep going to turn the page So we've got this voice again coming from off panel, this enchanting Scottish accent that kind of shakes Matt out of his self-reflection. There's a few images and a few sequences that I kind of return to time and time again in the book. The image of a silhouetted Matt kind of walking and, you know, thinking to himself and then being shaken out by Emma's voice coming from off panel it happens a few more times in the book there's a few of these I'm not going to point them all out but just keep an eye out for things that are repeated the idea hopefully is that when you see a repeated image or repeated exchange of dialogue or a repeated mirrored sequence you think about okay what's changed in the lives of the characters in the relationship between these moments and how are these kind of anchor points at different times in their timeline of their relationship. We turn the page and now we are on page 8, the introduction of the Emma character. Originally this story was a two-page save the date. I talk about this in the back of the graphic novel in the supplemental material. I sent it out to our friends and family to tell us tell everyone that we were engaged. I hadn't drawn comics for a few years, and I really liked getting back into it. So then I started thinking that I could start doing maybe weekly comics and kind of update people with information. Okay, you know, this is where the venue is. Okay, this is where the hotel is. This is where now you need to book your flights. Here's a comic. This is what we've been up to with the wedding planning. That didn't work out just because wedding planning is quite stressful and busy. But also, I the story started becoming more than just doing little comic strips and little one-page gags. I started teasing it out a bit more and just expanding longer sequences. And it turned it into about a 50-page little booklet that we gave out as the keepsake for our wedding. Again, I talk about this in the back of the graphic novel. So a lot of these pages originally existed in that 50-page format. But then when I started to go back and I started to expand it and I really wanted to do something with this and turn it into a proper graphic novel and publish it and actually print it and start selling it to people... I expanded some sequences. I added pages in between, but then there's a lot of pages where there's just so much going on, quite a lot, few too many panels. So I really kind of just scrap some pages and really kind of turned one page into two or three pages even. This is a page here where there's quite a lot of panels. There's 13 panels. That's that's quite a lot. Most comics, if you flip through them, you'll see about six panels per page these days. Nine is really the max. I'm a big fan of the nine panel grid where you've got just three by three on the page. I'll talk more about that as we go through just grids and how I kind of use them as a starting point. There's just a lot going on here. So if I were to do this again, I, was, I would expect Expand this into several pages. But the problem is the way that I wrote this was really kind of from the inside out almost. I, I had pages and then I decided I wanted to add pages before that, pages in between pages. And then you get to this problem where you know you want to add pages in between other pages, but you really know that this certain page has to be on the right-hand side of the book when you open the book up because it needs to be a cliffhanger and it teases something out that you makes you want to turn the page. So it ends on something going back to page seven, the previous page. I needed this to be on the right hand of a double page spread because I wanted to end with this sort of mystery of who's speaking and who owns this enchanting Scottish accent. So I needed Emma not to show up until you turn the page. And now you're on the left-hand side of the page. But then I wanted to match these two pages. And again, I wanted to end the next page just jumping ahead really quick on page nine. I wanted to end that on another cliffhanger saying, I guess that's that then. You know, a bit of a mystery getting you to turn again. So I I couldn't add one page. I couldn't turn page eight into two pages because then page nine, it will be in the wrong place. So I was kind of stuck right now with page eight having this many panels. But if I, you know, were to do it again, I would hopefully expand it a bit more. But going back to page 8, I do like this panel with some cool things going on, some cool tricks. That second panel with Matt saying, uh, hi, I'm Matt, and those kind of swirls behind him it's something that Kevin Smith and Jim Mafford do in their Clerks comic book that I really like. This sort of tingly sensation of just kind of, you know being a little bit distracted and the world kind of falling away. The fourth panel, I really like this idea of just dropping out the background completely and having the characters kind of floating in the panels. I use that quite a bit just to kind of extend the moment. Um, I use it here with the, the ellipses floating above the characters just to really, really kind of draw this kind of moment out, this, really, this gap in time. And again, this sequence of someone asking a question the background dropping off these ellipses and then the other character saying, sorry, what? And then continuing the conversation. This shows up a few more times in the book. The, the kind of third row, we've got Emma and Matt in their two separate panels, but they're kind of overlapped. It's something that I saw in a daredevil comic, but with art by David Aya. And I really like that sort of two distinct characters, but they're kind of brought together through the panels and the panels kind of interlock the floating, um, panel of Emma's head with the turn goes into the close-up of Matt's eyes and the close-up of the ass. I like kind of combining those panels, uh, kind of mushing them together, creating kind of one super panel with two images spliced together. And I really like ending this with this pose of a nervous Matt dancing and then we go to page nine and then it's, you know, a couple of weeks later and he's in a similar position, similar camera angle. My background is not film, so I do like to use kind of filmic, conventions when I can this is kind of a classic match cut we've got the character kind of in the same position same sort of perspective same kind of camera angle if you will Uh, and then we transition and we actually end this page and start the next page in a similar way before we turn the page though there's a lot of parallels here between page 9 and page 8 if you're looking at the book the printed book you have both these pages in front of you you can kind of look and go back and forth and see these parallels one of the advantages of having a physical book but also the reason that I spend so much time on thinking about what are the pages that are going to face each other what are the pages that are going to be looking at each other when you open the book up so we've got you know like i said right away we've got this repeat of someone asking someone else a question the ellipses the background falls away and then the second character kind of shakes themselves out and says sorry what uh we've also got these two panels kind of uh pressed up against each other close up of someone's eyes looking at the other character's attributes this instance is Emma looking at the matte character's mouth. We've got this panel here at the bottom with Emma kind of outside of the panel bleeding onto the edge of the page and going off the page. This was really kind of difficult to do when it came to the printing because originally when I was drawing these pages, I, I was drawing them on paper that was a bit too short and it just wasn't the right format, the right dimensions for when I went to the printing. So I had to extend a lot of the art that I wanted to bleed. Uh, and it was just a big, big headache to go through all the pages where there's any time that the art goes off the page. I don't know if I like this panel anymore with Emma kind of in the foreground, kind of going off panel or going off page even. It's a little bit draws attention too much to the the panel border. I don't do that so much anymore with my comics. But the idea is that she is... Much closer, and then Matt and the the guy character, Emma's best friend, their kind of background, they're kind of fading. They're two separate planes. I really wanted to separate the planes. Emma's far away enough that she can't hear the conversation these other two characters are having. That was the intention. I don't know if I would do that again with her, with a character like that, just kind of breaking the panel so egregiously. This last panel here, this kind of point of view shot of Matt looking down at his food... That's that. Then another cliffhanger. We turn the page and we have another point of view looking down at food several months later. Again, another match cut. If you look at this page, this page is a, a kind of classic nine panel grid. I really like this nine panel grid. It's something that they use in Watchmen quite a bit by Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons. They really structured that book Every page is structured around this nine-panel grid. Sometimes they combine panels, but everything you can very clearly see will line up with this kind of three-by-three. I always kind of start pages like that. I think, okay, I know that nine is kind of my maximum, and I know that I kind of want to have three uh, rows, three tiers, and three columns, and then I can kind of combine panels or you know extend or shrink. But I kind of try to start with nine. I really... I have the best intentions with all my projects to say, okay, I'm going to make a grid and I'm going to stick to it, whether that's a nine panel grid or a six panel grid. And the reason that you want to stick to a grid is because it will make your life so much easier. You're not reinventing pages and reinventing page layouts every single page. It also helps, I think, create a sense of rhythm and pacing for your reader. It's a very familiar, very comfortable sort of rhythmic kind of metronome sort of, pacing for the story i always try to start with that and if you flip through the pages you'll hopefully see that a lot of them even if they're not on this strict nine panel grid they are on this kind of three row three tiers you know not always with three panels per row but you can see that it is was kind of started out as this kind of three rows but here we do have you know we got six panels that really fit to that nine panel grid at the bottom kind of smush those two panels panels uh, seven and eight because I really wanted panel nine to have a bit of a longer width it is kind of two panels in one I really wanted to kind of focus on that negative space that empty space on that couch it refers back to the cover it also refers to a page coming up but I really wanted to have that empty space waiting for Emma to join Matt on the couch so that's why I had that kind of longer panel, and it did force me to make the eighth panel, this kind of weird, really shrunken, small silhouette panel. Uh, But it does harken back to that uh, second panel on uh, page seven, where Matt's running out of the car. You know, this time he's not rushing out. Also, drawing cars is really difficult, so getting away with it by just doing it through silhouette i like this page because we've got this kind of cool over the head shot of matt i'm not sure how effective it is with my kind of very flat cartoony style but the idea is that you're seeing what the character is looking at so it is kind of a point of view but the character is also in the foreground the top of the character's head So it's kind of grounding and giving you a sense of the space as well. It's a shot that I stole from Steven Soderbergh's film Solaris, where George Clooney's talking to, I think, a support group. But you see everyone, but his head is kind of just in the middle. So again, you're seeing the character, but also seeing what they're looking at. I like that this middle sequence here of the three panels, we're kind of freezing the Emma and Guy character, locking that perspective off. It really kind of draws out that moment we're not changing the camera angle it really kind of makes a stick there and really kind of extends especially that middle panel there with that long awkward pause before guy chimes in saying that emma's single now we're going to turn the page to uh this texting sequence we've got uh the two main characters texting back and forth with a lot of their friends in the background the the friends do show up throughout the book they don't all get named they don't all really become true characters in terms of the book but for the purpose of the story they exist as just the main characters friends to show that they have lives kind of outside this relationship i you know romantic comedies often have like a best friend of the female lead and the male lead I kind of did that here, but also as the story continued, it became more and more about the Matt and Emma character and less and less about their friends, and they never really were going to have an arc anyway, so they kind of fade and recede more into the background. Also, just telling your life story is one thing. Telling someone else's story with yours, so telling the story of your wife and your romantic partner, that's one thing, but I can get permission from Emma, and I can always check in with her to make sure I'm representing her Uh, In a flattering light in a way that she likes. But when you start adding in other people, you know, you're telling their story as well. And I've run into problems in the past where I've shared too much of someone when it wasn't my story to share. So that's why it really is just focused on these characters, especially as the story goes on and they become a little bit more focused on their relationship and their individual friends or their separate friends, are a bit more backgrounded. But this is the first appearance of the Tyler character, who is kind of Matt's sounding board and Matt's confidant. Uh, The Guy character shows up a few times. I'm not even sure if Guy ended up being named in the book. The sequence here with the the texting back and forth, uh, in real life, Emma was just upset because... Uh, the Emma character texted two texts in a row without waiting for a response, and she said in real life she would never do that when texting a guy. She would never respond more than once without him responding because she would expect him to be texting her more. <laughs> um, again, ending with a little bit of a cliffhanger and a a bit of a, a footnote here. Kuwait is a dry country, so you literally have to make your own fun. I struggled with how much to to focus on Kuwait because it was really the setting, but again, the the importance is the relationship and the, the the two characters coming together, I do eventually want to write more about Kuwait specifically as a country in my experience living there. So I did try to pepper in a few things about what it was like to live in Kuwait, but it's it's difficult to not have that kind of overwhelm the, the story of this relationship. So just little little bits here and there. Page 12, there's a lot of panels here. There's so many panels. If I were to extend this page out, if I were to do this again... This would be three, if not four pages. There's just so much going on. I did break up a lot of pages as I went to the final version of the book. But at a certain point, you know, what you have is what you have. And the book will never be finished if you're constantly redrawing and you're constantly tinkering. And also, it it does kill me to throw away a page after I've kind of completed it. And all the work that I put into this page to start again and turn it into four different pages where i couldn't save any of the art that i think that would have just been a huge bummer so i i left it as it is but you will notice the kind of newer pages that i created after the the keepsake was done when the the book went from 50 pages to 120 something pages you will notice that the newer pages will be ones with much fewer panels per page and the story it's a bit more space to breathe and there's not as many small cramped panels Having said there's some cool stuff here. Emma gave me these uh little, you know, the stars and the hearts floating around. I wanted to kind of involve her a few times, so that's her contribution. The the cat hanging off of the the um the mirror in the car. I think she drew that as well. The second panel here, I bore that I think from a comic that she made. We ended up taking a an online course on comics and she did a two-page story about how we met. And then she never took it any further just because she realized how long it takes to make comic pages. But she had this sort of point of view looking in the mirror, and the mirror becomes a panel. So I kind of bored that for this. I, I like this idea of playing around with making the panel a frame. It's very Will Eisner. He uses, like, door frames and window frames as panels. It's a little bit too distracting now. I, I don't think I would do it again. It's also kind of weird that the the... The jewelry that hangs off of the mirror is going over top of the speech balloon. It's her point of view. So we're seeing through her eyes. It's just a little bit too much, I think, in that second panel. The second row, we've got her point of view again of her driving. So two point of views there. The image of the background, I drew over top of a photograph. It was a photograph at one point, but then I decided to get rid of all the photographs, like I said. So I drew over it in Photoshop. I do like this long sequence of Matt just staring at the door with these long drawn out panels. The sound effect of his stomach rumbling. Again, he's sitting on that couch, that empty space is waiting for Emma to join him, but now it's just being filled by Buffalo's delivery. This next row, I do like the sequence of the door being this massive panel with Matt jumping up, hearing the sound, and just seeing the vibrations without having any sound effects of the door being knocked on, then his face, then jumping up. Again I would maybe turn that into its own page if I were to extend this sequence. And we end this page with the the kind of twirly background, the kind of slightly uncomfortable backgrounds uh, as Emma kind of takes in Matt's declaration that he always eats at 6 p.m. Turning the page, this is the two characters watching a movie on Matt's projector. I don't know if I nailed the perspective here. It might be a little bit confusing. In real life, what I would do is I had two couches and I would turn one couch to face the other so you could put your legs up and create this kind of cocoon of couches, and the entire wall was a TV screen because the projector was large enough to project on the entire wall. Uh, I love it. I I miss my projector in real life. We have a just a, a nice sized TV now, um, but Emma didn't like that the projector was hard to use unless I was home. So now we just have a, a big TV. But I like the sequence a lot. I like these kind of matched perspectives. I try to do that a few times where you know we've got. Emma in the foreground Matt's looking at her far away in the background there's a jump scare on the screen and then we reverse it with Matt enlarged in the foreground and Emma far away in the the background then we've got these middle panels on the bottom row of them kind of looking at each other you know looking into each other I try to do that with mirrored images of the two characters and then turning the page We've got the character's conflicting thoughts. You see here for the f- maybe the first time, I think, where we've got this kind of uh, gradient going into the darkness of the background. I had a crayon. I don't know why it was the only crayon we had at the house. It was a purple crayon which i knew was dark enough that it would approximate black when i did scan it in black and white and it didn't matter that it was purple because i was scanning everything and i knew i was going to print in black and white so anytime you see this kind of gradient it was created with a a purple crayon this kind of spotlight effect on these characters sitting on the darkness and kind of cocooning them and you know bring them closer together a repeat here a reverse of those hearts and stars that emma drew and then the last three panels of the page i really like this sort of cascading panels, these three panels that kind of fall down as we close out that page. These three panels come from an idea that I borrowed from Derf Backderf's graphic novel, My Friend Dahmer, about going to high school with serial killer Jeffrey Dahmer. But the last three panels of a sequence have the kind of his Jeffrey Dahmer's house as we kind of close the story and the panels kind of fall down 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 as we close out the story and I like that idea of just showing the passage of time as the character drives away kind of do 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 going across the page one of the few times that we actually see the Emma character alone without the Matt character I was really kind of trying a whole lot of different things I have thought bubbles in this first chapter we don't have too many thought bubbles as the story goes on we don't really see the Emma character Without the Matt character as the story goes on, it focuses mostly on the two of them together. But if they are apart, it will focus more on the Matt character. Because again, I'm, I'm telling my own story. And as much as I can, I try not to tell other people's stories for them. So there's a few things that we see in the first chapter that don't continue as as the book goes on. I didn't plan everything out. In an ideal world, I would have written a full script um, when I'm working in shorter comics, either with artists that i collaborate with or even for myself i will try to write everything out and plan everything out so i know exactly how much space i need for dialogue i know exactly the flow of the story and i know exactly how many panels per page but with these larger projects if i wrote everything out i think i would be so fed up and so done by the time i sat down to draw the pages that i i do i don't think i would ever complete it and it just also kind of helps trick your brain and keep your brain in the dark about how Daunting of a project you're taking on if you don't really realize how many more pages you have and also as I said This was very organic that I wanted to fill in and add more and change things around So there are things that I try from time to time whether that's panel layouts page layouts different things in the panels different storytelling methods that don't necessarily carry through and maybe this feels a bit more disjointed but I do like the idea that any comic you look at, any comic will kind of show its own evolution and you can kind of see the the artists and the cartoonists, you know, growing and changing as the story progresses. And I like that that's very true for this one. This is very much you see me kind of developing my my style and my methods and the the formats and, and the things that I will go on to use more and more. So I, I like that. I mean, it's, it's there. I'm not going to continuously change it because... I never would have finished it. I never would have published and printed it. So there are things that, you know, don't necessarily carry through into the end of the book. But, you know, it shows the process, I think, a little bit more. And uh, I'm embracing it. It's It's very experimental in some places. Turn the page. We're at page 15 now, and we start this three-page sequence of the character's third date and the first time that they say I love you to each other and talking about their future plans. I really like the dialogue. I'm really proud of this exchange. There's a, a good number of panels. Some of them are quite skinny, though. I think it's got good pace and good rhythm. The pages all end, I think, on a really good point. You know, it ends on... Emma saying, what, what? And that, again, another little bit of a cliffhanger. You know, you're waiting to see what Matt's going to say. It hopefully is encouraging you to turn that page just a little bit faster. I like that it ends this next one, page 16, with Matt thinking to himself, okay, good. Now stop talking. And then you turn the page or you look across the page and you see that he continues and just won't shut up. So I like where the pages end. I think I might have extended these and maybe turned most of these pages into two and maybe make it into a six page sequence, but. Again, you know, I'm, I'm proud of the, of the scripting as it is. Uh, looking at page 15, we've got the love hearts and stars around them. We've got this kind of twirl to show that the Matt character is drunk a little bit. We've got the floating head on the bottom row and then the kind of twirls behind him again, using that twirl to signify that he's feeling some kind of butterflies or some kind of uneasiness or nervousness. Turning the page... He's going for it when he says, I adore you. He's got the, the twirls, twirls, twirls. I like on that second row, we've got him floating without a panel border, but now we've got this kind of overlay of the, the gray, again, kind of separating a little bit, maybe showing a little bit of his emotional state. Just these tricks to kind of, shake things up to show that there's been some kind of internal change and making that internal change, that internal moment, a bit more external. At the end of that second row, we've got this silhouette of a dark silhouette and a light silhouette kissing. There's a few times in the the book, again, this is one of these images that I return to with silhouettes kissing and embracing, and it's repeated again and again throughout the book. Part of that is because... I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do with this book. If I was going to publish it in Kuwait, you can't show kissing in Kuwait. So I think part of it was just sort of playing it safe and kind of speaking to that. But also I do like the idea that kissing in silhouette keeps all these moments very kind of private and intimate for the characters. We're just a little bit removed from the characters. We can't see their detail and they get to keep the the privacy for these these kisses. Uh, Like I said, I'm really... I enjoy the back and forth here. I like the script. I like the 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 snappiness of the dialogue, but I also really like the the conflict between the Matt's character's thoughts and what the Matt character actually says in dialogue. I really like at the end of page 17, we've got this darkened face of Matt and this kind of very scratchy, again using that crayon background, but Emma's into it. I like overlapping the the dialogue. In this case we've got Emma's dialogue saying, yeah, I like that overlapping Matt's thoughts, so he's spiraling here. You already offered to impregnate her. It's too late to back out now. You can't unsay that. She's gonna. And then she interrupts his thoughts with dialogue. So the speech balloon from Emma is covering Matt's thought bubbles. I like doing that and overlaying the text that way. Ending this on an embrace, a kiss, silhouette kiss with a heart. The next two pages, I like montages. It's very filmic. It's also very romantic comedy showing a montage of the characters falling in love. All these things we talked about in real life. Again, we end with a bit of a cliffhanger on page 19. Merry Christmas, I made you a comic. This is a comic I reproduced a few pages from in the back of the graphic novel in the supplemental material. But this was the the first Christmas we had and uh, I made her a comic about our story and how we got together. I depicted our first meeting dancing and trying not to look at her ass when she's teaching me how to dance. I did kind of use some of those parts for this this longer graphic novel. Turning the page onto page 20, uh, I didn't do this too much, but I do like this idea of the love heart speech balloon for Emma saying, I love it. If you notice on the second panel we see a tail of a cat and that'll be Neo's tail. I didn't properly introduce Neo as a character yet. He's going to become much more important as the the story continues. But if you go back through chapter 1, you should be you should see Neo a few times. I did draw him properly, but a few times he's just kind of in the background, he's kind of hidden. It becomes a little bit of a can can you spot Neo? You know, find him on the page, find him in the panel before he becomes a a proper character and becomes more important to the story. So there are hints of Neo, the cat, in the previous pages in this chapter. And you can go back and find them. At the end of this page, we've got this kind of reverse silhouette, the white silhouettes on the black background. Just kind of breaking it up visually and also trying to do something different from just the black silhouettes over the white background. But this hopefully kind of draws attention to that moment. This is Emma kind of setting him up that, you know, when I'm home, you might not be the most important thing on my mind, a bit of a a blow to the character. So I did want to kind of highlight that. And it ends with him kind of feeling lost and floating in that space before we turn the page with the reveal that, The very next day, she was texting him, and he was texting her, and they just text each other the whole vacation. Again, we've got the characters separated by panels, but also in different countries. But they're also very much kind of facing each other, so they're kind of connected across that panel divide. And I like doing that. In the second row, they've gone from the far edges to squish right up to the center, so they're almost next to each other. You know, they could almost break through that panel border across the gutter of the page and kiss each other. And then I like ending this with this long panel again with that kind of broken up edge made by that crayon. But this really long, empty, negative space in that second to last panel where Matt's just kind of sitting there. And it really hopefully extends that moment where Matt comes to that realization. Oh, my gosh, everything in his life is about to change. So I like that long extended panel. Hopefully it does draw out that moment. And I guess we're moving in together. Just okay. here we go. So that's the end of chapter one. Hopefully you enjoyed it. I'm going to do these commentaries for the other remaining six chapters, and I might do a additional commentary for the supplemental material. This first chapter I made available for free to read online. If you're someone who's reading the free version of this chapter and you enjoyed this and you want the rest of the story, please check out my website, smithversussmith.com, and you can buy the rest of the book in physical print or in digital. And then you can follow along with the commentaries. I'll be making these commentaries free and hopefully very easily available. I do recommend that you have the book to follow along uh, because I'll be doing these in the same format where I kind of go through page by page. Hopefully, you enjoyed this. If you don't already follow me on social media, you can find me on Instagram at Smith vs. Smith Comics. I'm also on Facebook at Smith vs. Smith Comics and on Twitter at Smith vs. Smith. My website, of course, is smithversussmith.com. That's smithvssmith.com. Thanks so much, and I'll be back with Chapter 2 commentary very soon. And thanks so much to Matt and Caleb Reed Comics listeners for listening to this very special episode. As I said, we will be back in one week for a regular episode. We are looking at Green Hornet by Kevin Smith, Phil Hester, and Jonathan Lau. Thanks so much and see you then.